Tuesday Night Mystery Club. Hello and welcome to the Tuesday Night Mystery Club. I'm your host, Caitlin McCluskey, and today I am joined for, I think, the fifth time, fourth time, by Michael Brillo, my boyfriend. That's me. Hello, Michael. I also <laughs> lost count. Enough. I thought it was four. Enough times. Four? Okay. So this is the fifth time or this is the fourth time? I thought it was the fourth, but I can't remember. Okay. Uh, well, enough. Enough times. Yeah. They kind but of people like together. you. Everyone wants you back. I didn't think of a way to introduce you this time. I don't know. Like, it's either the fourth or fifth time, so people have had four or five introductions already, right? Okay, wait, wait, wait. I just thought of one because we were just talking about it. Here is Michael Borello, who wants heated floors in his garage. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I probably should have expected that one, but I didn't. (laughs) Okay. You didn't specify how many car garage either. (laughs) Or which garage. How expensive? Is it like per square foot that you heat the garage? Like that's how expensive it is? So it's a bigger garage, it will cost more to heat it? Or is it all one price? No, it's probably like square footage or uh, however long the heating elements have to be. Yeah, amount of tube. Man, well, yeah. I hope you like It's going to be hard to heat that uh, 15,000 square foot garage. <laughs> oh my God. Can you imagine? No, I don't want to think about it. 1,000 square foot house, 15,000 square foot <laughs> oh <my> garage. <laughs> oh my gosh. But this has nothing to do with the story, just to clarify. Not yeah. that it ever does. Do you want to get into it? Yeah, let's do it. So this book is called, the book is short story collection is called Poirot's Early Cases. So pretty descriptive. And the story I chose is called The Double Clue. Cool. And I, I was telling Michael this beforehand, but I went through this whole book and tried to find the shortest story possible. So this one is four pages, but we'll see. I might make it long. <laughs> Michael might pages. make it long. Yeah, it's pretty short. <laughs> So we'll see. I mean, we, oh, yeah. All right. I don't want to. I don't want to speak too soon. That's it. You know. Okay. You could literally read it out. <laughs> the whole thing. So, so this is a Hercule. As as the title of the book is, it's a Hercule Poirot mystery. And because it's his early cases, it means that Captain Hastings is like in the picture. So, um, Captain Hastings is around for this mystery and kind of like guessing. Okay. So this book starts out by Poirot has a visitor who has like a case for him and he just keeps going on and on how he does not want publicity. Like no police, no news. Like I, w- I don't want anyone to know about this. Like we need to keep it super hush hush, yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. And kind of what it means is that it means that there's some like, there's rich people involved, you know, like mm-hmm. if, if it was just like Joe Schmo, I wouldn't care if they got arrested, but like this involves people who I don't know are important in society. And so we have to like, we can't get out. That kind of thing. Right. And so he's this this guy is, um, who's who's in Poirot's office is Mr. Marcus Hardman. And he is known as like a collector of old things or antiques, like that kind of vibe. And he isn't necessarily a high society member, but he hosts parties with people in high society. I right, think right. is like the idea. Right. Like those crazy auctions. Yeah. Or just like tea parties dinner parties like whatever where he might show off his antiques yeah right 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 and so that's exactly what he's come to talk about this time is he's had one of these whatever dinner party 
dancing. I don't know what was going on. But he's had this small party and his jewels from his safe were stolen. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, I think he had some like old rubies and emeralds, some beautiful things. So then then Mr. Hartman kind of describes the situation, like what exactly happened. So he'd been having his, his party. Um, he, he says a tea party. And he had, I don't know, like less than 10 guests. And at some point during the party, he had brought them into this, this kind of like showroom that he has where the safe was. And I don't, I think he was showing people the jewels. So basically it's like a safe that would have had like velvet lining. Like it was only used to display these jewels and kind of store them. Mm -hmm. So he showed the jewels, shot the case, shut the safe, and then went on to like show some other, like maybe like postcards. I don't know. I don't know what else was in the room, but some of his other antiques and then he, they had left and gone back to the the main tea party room. Right. And when all of the guests had left, he had been back into the room with the safe and had found the safe was slightly open and the jewels were missing. Okay. So he's kind of thinking like maybe he didn't shut it properly to begin with. Like it doesn't, I think the idea is it doesn't really look like forced entry. It just looks like it didn't get fully closed. Mm-hmm. So Poirot was like, okay, gotcha no publicity let's go see it for ourselves right so they head over to uh mr hardman's house is that all clear so far yep okay so they get there and they look at the safe and the... i'm kind of confused about how mr hardman didn't notice this to begin with but there's a men's glove that's kind of pinched in the um <laughs> whatchamacallit like the hinge of the safe yeah it seems like an obvious thing yeah and it's like that's how it was maybe held open maybe Okay. So that's there. And then there's also a cigarette case, which okay. like back in the day, you know, you'd take your cig. I don't know. Like, I don't know how cigarettes work. Do you? But you had like a metal case or something for them. Oh, that thingy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so this one was actually engraved with initials, which, you know, is going to make things helpful. Where was this cigarette thing? It was in the safe. Okay. I think I'm just trying to confirm. Yeah. The initials on the cigarette case were BP. Okay. Okay. So then he kind of, um, Mr. Hardman gets into like the suspects or like the people at the party, basically. And um, who he suspects of, like who could have had an opportunity to be by the safe alone, because that's what was necessary, right? Right, right, right. So first of all, the last person in the room when they'd all been there together was Mr. Johnston. He's a, and he kind of gets described as like a South African millionaire and he's been renting a house in Park Lane, which is like a, I think, a bougie area in London. Okay. So so he was the last in the room. So, you know, possibly he had an, opp- an opportunity to be near the safe. And then there was also three other guests who had returned to the room throughout the party to, for whatever reason. Which, okay. you know, or whatever context they gave. So those were the Countess Vera Razakov, Mr. Okay. Bernard Parker. Hmm, BP. Oh, no. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and Lady Runcorn. Okay. So somebody hated Parker. And so they, they sauced his cigarette thing in there to make it look mm. Okay. <laughs> Keep it in mind. So then Mr. Hardman, owner of the house, kind of describes those, like these people a little bit more. So we've got, we already said the South African millionaire, Mr. Johnston. Then the people who had returned, starting with the Countess Rozikoff. She's like a Russian lady. She's like old regime, super charming, yada, yada, yada. And I think she had like, I think said goodbye to everyone at the party and then had, but had been found in that room. And she was apparently gazing at 
one of his antique collections at his fan collection. A fan collection? Yeah, like antique fans. Like at, wow. Okay, like hand fans, you know? Like yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. That's Matt. That's the house. Like that's the kind of things he's collecting. Oh man. <laughs> then, so I think Mr. Hardman is like that's suspicious, right? And Poirot's like, yes, yeah, suspicious. <laughs> and then they move on to probably already knows who did it. <laughs> And then Parker, Bernard Parker had gone into the room because Hardman had wanted him to fetch a case of miniatures. I don't know super what that means, but so he had been asked to go into the room, but still a had been alone there. Miniatures. Do you know what that means? Like maybe like little statues or something? Uh, I don't. I was, I don't know. I got no idea. Okay. I was kind of thinking maybe it was like cigarettes or something just because of the case. Well, the... I don't think so. I think, I think it's like a... Um, like like pottery like you know antique little figurines that are mini mm-hmm. that's my guess i mean that would like, it has to be something sense. you'd collect you know yeah yeah probably and yeah because mr hardman had wanted to show them to lady runcorn and then lady runcorn herself she's wait, like wait, sorry, they... sorry sorry so so uh Ber- bernard parker was asked to go back in by the hardman? owner of the house yeah mr hardman okay so then Lady Runkern herself, she's like, uh, they, they call her a woman of considerable force of character. And okay. she devotes her time to charitable committees. So picture her as you will. And she had, she said she had gone back just to get her handbag that she had left somewhere in the room. Okay. So there, there are your four suspects that Mr. Hardman has laid out. So... Next, Poirot asks, so we kind of we kind of understand the first guy, Mr. Johnston, you know, South African millionaire, Count Vera Rosikoff, Vera Rosikoff, Countess, sorry. She's a charming Russian lady, lots of money there. And then Lady Runcorn, part of like all these charitable committees, like she's part of society. But Poirot is asking, who is... Bernard Parker like what does he mm-hmm. do how do you know him what's your connection to him and Mr. Hardman really doesn't want to talk about it he like is like spluttering and being like ah just not important blah 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 blah. which to me I was like "Ooh, are they in a relationship like that was my first thought mm-hmm. but when he finally comes out with it it turns out Bernard Parker is like a middleman for him so he's the he like helps him like Hardman collects antiques, right? But he has to buy them from somewhere. And so when people of high society or whatever want to sell their antiques, Bernard Parker acts as the middleman between Mr. Hardman and those people to kind of like coordinate the sale, etc. I see. So he helps to coordinate the sale of those antiques. Right. To, to at, Hardman at, or to other people to, from Hardman? Um, Hardman? Hardman's buying. Okay, got it. Right. So one of what he had been doing at that that time or not like what he's currently helping mr hardman with is vera the countess rosikoff has has brought like jewels from russia from from the what did they call the old society or whatever that she's looking to sell and so bernard parker was helping to coordinate that sale between the two of them okay so then before they leave like Poirot goes on to do some more investigation. He asks Mr. Hardman point blank, who do you suspect? And Mr. Hardman's like, I, just, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, I don't suspect any of them in particular. Like, 
Mm-hmm. It's, like, you know, giving that kind of roundabout answer. And so Poirot puts it to him. Okay, I know you don't suspect Lady Rosikoff or Mr. Parker. So it's either Lady Runcorn or Mr. Johnson. Who is it? And then finally, Mr. Hardman kind of comes out with it that he suspects Lady Runcorn. And the reason he doesn't want to say anything is because she's this, she belongs to one of the oldest families in England. And so he doesn't want to upset things. She's like, you know, part of the old society. She has a lot of connections. Yeah. Yeah, I was kind of thinking that she she wanted to to take them so she could sell them or, or like donate them or something because she's on all these charity committees. Yeah, yeah, possibly. So they have this cigarette case and they're thinking, you know, BP, they have to go talk to Bernard Parker, right? Yeah, of course. I guess like the part that's kind of throwing me is like all these people are already rich, right? Except for Bernard Parker. Right. So like, I don't know. Kind of seems like there would be like money wouldn't be the reason to steal it unless it was him. But right. then that'd be kind of dumb. There, there is some talk of are all these people who they say they are. Oh, okay, that's a good point. Yeah, Poro kind of like says point blank. It's so easy to say you're you're a Russian refugee or a South African millionaire. Like any anyone can call himself that. If you come basically at this time, if you come from a different country, how's anyone to know? Mm-hmm. Honestly, like. Even if you come from the same country, how could anyone know if you said you're someone and you kind of have like a vague resemblance to them? Yeah. So, but anyways, they're going to see Bernard Parker. I'm sure that like they'll go to see the other people afterwards. He, they tell him, I think they basically tell him something's been stolen from Mr. Hardman's house. Is this your glove that was found in the safe? Mm Mm-hmm. So he says, no, it isn't my glove. After a little bit, like a little pause, you know? Like a moment's hesitation, as they describe it so often yeah. in these books. And then so Poirot kind of goes, okay, well, is this your cigarette case? And he goes, and then he, I don't think there's any hesitation. He says, certainly not. I always carry a silver one. Okay. And so then Poirot goes, all right, well, then I guess I'm just going to put these matters to the police. Easy enough. And that gets Bernard Parker into a little bit of a hurry. He goes, I wouldn't do that if I were you. Like, don't, you don't have to be so rash. Do anything mm-hmm. sudden, you know. To clearly hiding something. Right. But Poirot's not listening. He gets, he just gets out of there. You know, he kind of, he tells Captain Hastings afterwards, he's like, I'm going to leave him to sit on that. Like, hopefully we'll see what he does now. We won't go to the police. We're just going to watch what happens. Yeah. yeah. Right. Kind of fun. I wish I had that much confidence, you know? <laughs> I feel like he's done it before. Like, yeah. Yeah. I wonder if Bernard Parker sold the jewel to somebody else in exchange for a cut. Mm. like he's work he's not working alone yeah i mean like he has served to sell things to hardman but why Mm -hmm. wouldn't he also sell things from hardman true he's he's kind of the idea of he's probably not working for just one person like he probably makes deals between lots of people or whatever so so they've you know they've they've sat on it for a day waiting to see what's going to happen and what ends up happening is the countess Razakov bursts into the room and she basically is going like Bernard Parker would never steal anything you have the wrong man like this is this is ridiculous you would do this and i think they show him they show her the cigarette case and go is this is this his and she takes a moment to like you know pause and look at it and goes well, yes, yeah, I, I've seen this before. This is the one he carries. Um, did you find it in the room? He must have just dropped it. Like, it can't be 
this it doesn't matter like the like yeah, whatever yeah. it's in the room it doesn't matter of course they're not giving their hand and telling her exactly where it was found but why is she defending him so much hmm <laughs> and so and so after the cigarette case he asks and this is this his glove and she goes how should i know like gloves look the same it could be anyone's glove for i know for all i know who cares and then she kind of goes like i'm gonna save him like i'll pay you as much money like no expense spared you have to find the real person like it's not him whatever 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 and i think she basically like yells a bunch more and then just huffs out of the room like leaves as suddenly as she came <laughs> not suspicious <laughs> at all yeah it's a fun picture and hastings goes oh okay so it's his cigarette case i wonder if it's his glove and poirot pulls out the second glove which he kind of like looks to hastings with a twinkle in his eye and goes like i found it on bernard parker's like side table at his door i took it oh. so it is his glove <laughs> The matching, the matching one. Yeah, yeah. So then they go, The they haven't spoken to Johnson yet. So they go to see him, but he's not around. So they speak to his secretary. And I think Poirot asked the secretary, like, oh, is he interested in precious stones or something like that? And the secretary goes like, oh, you know, like gold mining is more his mark. Yeah. Is, that's what he was doing in South Africa. That's about all I ask him. I guess, so they don't talk to Johnston. They go back to Poirot's, Poirot's house, Poirot's office. Mm-hmm. And the next time Hastings kind of sees him, Poirot is reading a Russian grammar book. And Hastings kind of, like, makes fun of him. Not makes fun of him, but it's like, we just met Countess Rozakov. Like, she speaks perfect English. I don't think you need to speak to her in Russian. Yeah. Uh, or, are you like, are you thinking to test her, her vocabulary? Do you really think you're going to learn it that fast? But Poirot, Poirot kind of says to him, no, I, I think she's Russian. I'm pretty convinced that she is actually Russian. She is who she is, says she is. So wait, so why was he reading this book then? He just laughs. Okay. He laughs and like, said, like basic is like, ah, oh, Hastings, you should try reading it. And then like tosses it to him. And Hastings is like, WTF. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. So then they... Then at this point, Poirot goes to see Mr. Hardman and is like, all right, I know who did it. Do you want me to put it in the hands of the police or do you want me to recover the jewels on my own? Of course he knows already. (laughs) And uh, how about you, Mike? Of course I don't. Okay. (laughs) So I'm trying to figure out the motivation for stealing the jewels, right? Because like, why would any of these people do it? Like the Countess, the Lady Runcorn, and the mr johnston dude are all super rich right mm-hmm. and it seems like i guess the mr johnston guy they never really talked to him they kind of just went to his office and they're like oh no he likes gold and they're like oh okay well it can't be him and they just left <laughs> so i don't know if he's like more or less suspicious i i'm, gonna, mm-hmm. I'm just gonna discount it okay. i'm gonna be like okay it's not him mm-hmm. even though there's like just because there's no information on him right given that the countess was defending bernard so much it like that seems like they must have a thing going on and the fact that like she was trying to sell him some jewels or something yeah i don't know like they must have some other something going on in the background you know yeah Uh or maybe or maybe she just didn't want him to go to jail because he was gonna get like coordinate the sale for the jewels like she had no idea if he did it or not 
she, like she doesn't really care. She just didn't want him to go to jail because he was going to like line up some because she was trying to sell up the jewels. Right. And he was going to line mm-hmm. up the sale. So if yeah. that falls through or if for her. Yeah, exactly. Because then she can't sell them. Right. So maybe that's what she was defending. Them, but mm-hmm. and then Lady Runcorn, they did they they never talk to her at all. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they didn't. Well, if it's her or Mr. Johnson, I'm going to be mad because <laughs> <laughs> they never said anything about her or him. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm also wondering about the point you, you, you mentioned that they were questioning whether any of these people are the real people. Mm-hmm. I'm totally overthinking that. <laughs> like, it's got to be Bernard. But like, is the, how can you be that stupid to leave your stuff there? You know, so like he's got to be framed. So I'm thinking like, who would frame him? The only other person they don't talk about, or the only other person they talk about is the Countess. But she likes him, obviously, so it can't be her. Right. So Michael, who is it? How close am I? Close? I can't Not tell close? you. That. Yeah, come on, come on, you get down. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I have to say, I have to say, Bernard. Okay. He okay. sucks at the stealing, though. Like, what? <laughs> so Bernard's the bad thief. Why didn't he just... You, you know why I said Bernard? Because I feel like in all the other episodes, I've, like, overanalyzed it and, like, mm. danced around the story and then, like, picked the more complicated plot. But, like... Right. It's not that. Especially in a, pa- right. in a story that's four pages. <laughs> right. Okay. So uh, do you want to know how what Poirot goes and does? Yeah. I want to know why so, he stole them in the first place and what's going okay. on with him and the Countess. Got it. I'll, I will give it all to you. So uh, Perez just asked Mr. Hardman, do you want me to just recover the jewels or do you want me to call in the police? And Hardman's gone like, yeah, no police. Just, you know, get the jewels back. So Perez goes, okay. And so he goes to the hotel where Countess Vera Razakov is staying. And he goes up to her room and, you know, knocks on the door she answers and he goes madame i'm so sorry to bother you my taxi's waiting could you please just give me the jewels now so i don't have to hold it you know i'm very thrifty i don't want to pay for it to stand waiting and the countess kind of you know looks at him and takes takes it in and goes i understand and goes and gets the jewels and gives them back to him and hastings asks afterwards because basically that's the whole interaction and so hastings is like what the heck just happened? Like, yeah, how, who, who, what, what? And so Poirot kind of exclaim, explains to him, if only you had read my Russian grammar book, you would have seen that in the Russian alphabet, a V is actually a B and an R is actually a P. Oh. <laughs> and as you can see, like the Countess is a very, she is Russian, but she does not have, she is not rich. This is like how she makes her, her living is by thieving. And I like, basically as soon as what had thrown it for Poirot is he could, he could see someone being so careless as to leave behind one item of their, like off their person. So like if, if Bernard had just dropped the glove, that would have made sense. But the, the fact, or like, I don't know, Poirot could have seen that he was been being framed, but the fact that two things were left behind, if you were trying to frame someone, you wouldn't leave behind two things. And if you were, you know, you could not be so careless as to drop two things. And so the fact that the glove was actually 
Bernard Parker's, it meant to him that the cigarette case couldn't be Bernard Parker's. It had to be someone else's. And so then he started looking at the initials. Wait, so why was there a cigarette case in there then? Because it was it was Vera Rosikoff's cigarette case. The V, like BP in Russian would actually be VR. Wait, but I thought Bernard, Bernard Parker stole this stuff. No, Vera Rosikoff. He went to the hotel and got the jewels from Vera Rosikoff. Oh, so I guessed wrong. Yeah. Oh, I thought you said I guessed right. No. If I said that, I didn't mean to. I just said I'd tell you the answer. I see. <laughs> yeah, so she was just, she, Vera Rosikoff was trying to frame Bernard. Bernard Parker with his glove, but then she by accident dropped her cigarette case. And so the fact that there were those two items made Poirot, you know, catch on to the fact that it couldn't be Bernard Parker. I see. Yeah. So again, how do you draw, like, how do you miss a cigarette case? I feel like that's not a small item. I don't, yeah. Yeah, you're right. But I, and so I think, I think she had come, like, Bernard Parker might have gone, like, crying to her, being like, this is what's happening. And she might have recognized that she dropped her cigarette case and so had to go, like, talk to Poirot and clear that up. They don't really talk about that. I'm just theorizing. I see, I see. Yeah. So that's, so she didn't want him to get arrested. Why, though? Like, why would she care? I don't. She doesn't care. She didn't help him not get arrested. She told them that it was his cigarette case. If she didn't want him to get arrested, she wouldn't Wait, have Wait, but didn't that. she burst in the room and say, like, no, it's not him or whatever? Like, there's no way it's his? Yeah, but she did that and then called attention to it was his cigarette case. Like, she didn't help him in any way. She just made it seem like she cared. Huh. Yeah. It's confusing. Confuse me. <laughs> so this is what I meant by it could either be really easy or really hard. Because if you know the Russian alphabet, then that might be super clear to you. But if you don't, like most of us, it's probably pretty difficult. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. It seemed like <laughs> he was being framed, but it I don't know. It, it wasn't obvious who it was because... Yes. Because I thought she was defending him. Right, exactly. Yeah. And like, why would she defend him if she's the one who did it? Because she should, like, I would have expected her to be like, oh, like, I don't care. Like, yeah, it was probably him. Right. Not the and exact I, opposite, right? Well, she might have got away with it. But the reason she went in is because she she probably knew she had dropped her cigarette case and so wanted to go in and make sure that they knew it wasn't hers. It was, in fact, Bernard Parker's. Mm. Right? Because she wasn't supposed to do that. That was an accident. Hmm. I guess so. Oh for 4 or over for 5 whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> This one was a this one was a kind of a trick, you know, like a twist. Yeah. Not a twist. It was it was, it was it was there was a trick, and if you get the trick, you'll get the story. But if not, it's tricky. Well, thanks so much, Michael. Thanks for coming on again. <laughs> You're a good sport. <laughs> oh boy, maybe one day. <laughs> so thank you everyone at home for listening. Uh, I have a Patreon if you are interested in supporting this show and make it keep happening. I'd like to thank my current patrons who are Barb McLean, Michael Borello, Emily Shelton, Emma Z, and Debbie Kravis. So thank you all so much to help help support this show, keep it running. And if you want to get podcast updates and see pretty pictures of mystery books, you can follow me on Instagram at Tuesday Night Mystery Club. And if you have any reviews, you know, you should review the show if that's an option on your podcast listening site because it will feel great to me. And if you're able to leave a review, I will read it on the show. So there you go. Go do it. Um, anything else, Michael? 
No, thanks for having me. Thanks so much again. And goodbye, everybody. See ya.